Hey guys, just a quick heads up that this is the interview taken from the full The Gym Session podcast. So if you'd like to listen to the complete episode, you can find it on the Footy Live app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Buzzsprout. If you're enjoying the content, don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and share. If you're not, try to do it anyway so I can keep my job. Uh, that's all from me. Enjoy the interview and do all that stuff I said before so I can get my job. Yes, Jimmy! Okay, today's guest is an icon of our great game. He played with a passion, pride, and determination that saw him overcome odds to not only get to a club after missing two drafts, but play 200 games for Melbourne and Collingwood and win an incredible Brownlow medal in the year 2000. This man also collected a best and fairest for the Deeds while playing more than 100 consecutive matches after being given his debut for the club in 1997. His reading of the play was phenomenal, resolve unrivaled, and his left foot running goals will live long in the memory of anyone lucky enough to witness them. Post-football is shared his love of the game and helping others through coaching and mentoring and continues to help athletes grow to become not only good players, but good people. It's my great pleasure to welcome Mr. Shane Wowoden to the gym session. Shane, how are you, mate? James, how are you, mate? Terrific to be here. Good, mate. Well, I haven't I haven't met many people who request a 7 a.m. interview. I love it, though. Uh, you're a footy coach. You're doing one-on-one coaching, too. You do some media work uh, as well on radio, a business development manager, a father. It seems like you never stop. I guess that's why you uh, like waking up so early. Yeah, certainly the winter months are a lot busier for me. Um, probably take on a little bit too much and and not get the balance quite right. But, oh, look, they're, they're passions of mine. Um, I'm excited to be still involved in the game, although still, I think we all would love to continue to play for as long as we can, no doubt. But um, to be able to pass on knowledge, share it um, to the youth and the next generation uh, is what excites me. Mm-hmm. But I have to admit, it is a, it is a special moment for me because uh, I was kicked 2001. I was seven years old and we got given a sticker each of uh, Shane Wode and 2000 Brownlow medalist. And I brought it home. I said, mum, one day I'm going to meet him. I'm going to speak to this man. Yeah. I had to go out the back and kick left foot just to try and be like you. So very special moment, mate, to be able to talk to you. Uh, your childhood, though, was probably a little bit more fun than mine because you actually had talent. Uh, started back in, in WA, where you are now. Um, you're on record saying Melbourne's the best city in the world, though. So I hope you still feel that way. Uh, born in a town just north of Perth, Geraldton, I think it was. You played for Railways Junior Footy Club club um strong connection with your dad who took you to every game uh do you remember the first moment you realized footy was what you wanted to do for the rest of your life i think as soon as the parents um throw a ball in your hand and i think mine was a brown plastic one uh, <laughs> a very <laughs> those ones i think you used to get from kmart or something all those years ago and and then you just grow and develop from there and and just fall in love with the game i just think the what excites me is i think with all young kids is you know your idols kicking wonderful goals and taking big pack marks and um doing the special things um time and time again i was a huge at the time south Fremantle supporter um over here in the waffle and a carlton man so um they were my two loves from a supportive point of view and then um but yeah from Geraldton in north of Perth um just love being in the backyard kicking the footy or kicking it in the house around corners 
into doorways um, and, and just being out in the backyard doing what you can, using trees as goals and just growing up loving the game. And um, then once you start playing and the competitive juices flow and um, the team environment, which is the exciting part of the game, also just being able to share it with your mates and do something you absolutely love um, was exciting and it just grew from there. And um, I'm, I'm still involved in the game today, which is uh, which I love. And in particular, when your own kids play the game as well, um, that's exciting also. Mm. At 10 years old, I think you moved to Perth and you play for Lindale, uh, Linwood Ferndale, the Panthers, uh, six or seven years there. And then you end up going to East Fremantle um, before getting the call up to Melbourne. But mate, was there a couple of times where you thought footy wasn't going to happen? Because I know at 16, you took a year off local footy, I think, just to play school footy and then you do miss out on the 95 and 96 draft was there a time you thought oh this is not going to happen for me oh I think that always goes through your mind Uh, I think my bottom age of my under 17s year over here playing junior footy uh, I looked to take a year off um, had a few injuries and just I wouldn't say I I fell out of love of the game it's just uh, I couldn't get on the park which um, makes it really difficult to actually enjoy it and just, I thought I'd just take some time away um, and just focus on probably a little bit less demanding with school footy and just running around with your mates. And then um, I think the passion and a few other things started coming away, started to feel better. And I got an invite and went down to East Fremantle Colts um, as a as a 17-year-old. And, and then it just went from there. And I was still playing junior footy when I got to East Fremantle. Um, I hadn't quite cracked a game. And I probably knew I was uh, I wasn't ready to play AFL at that stage anyway. At eighteen, I was a late developer and took a couple of years to understand um, what the game demands um, from a physical point of view, with a mental point of view. Um, and then, you know, two years later, I was just fortunate enough to be invited to Melbourne to have a training uh, pre-season for a couple of months, and then um, the rest was history. It just landed, and away I went. Yeah, two, that two months at Melbourne to prove yourself. I think you're supposed to get there in October. You ended up just going in January. So it was like two months, prove yourself. If, you, if you're good enough, you'll make it. But you've said fitness, uh, your fitness level wasn't uh, your strength or your speed. What was it that, that got you over the line? Was it that just the hunger to learn and to succeed? In that two months at Melbourne, yeah. I look, oh, you, you always think you're at a level where you can compete in terms of your physical um, ability and you think you're fit and then that two uh, months pre-season it was certainly a whack in the face as to where I was and where I needed to be I think my first um, pre-season run at Melbourne door-to-door around Albert Park Lake I think I came second last um, so it was a big learning curve straight away and, and you know in the in the, the Phoebes are running you know, five, six minutes probably in front of you, just how elite some of these runners were at the time. Um, but I, it was my, I wasn't going to go over there and not give it everything. So if that was to be knocking on coaches' doors every five minutes, um, being a sponge, learning the game, working on my craft, doing the things that um, I knew I could control, um, I, I was hoping that was going to be the difference. And then when it came to game time, um, and the ability to prove myself on the field, well, then I was hoping my footy was going to do a little bit of talking. Um, and, and so, and that's what I did. It just, uh, I think there was about 15 invitees in that first pre-season at Melbourne. 
um, all looking for the preseason draft and the rookie draft because that was the first time that was introduced. Um, and yeah, so two months, um, a lot of training. Um, and just trying to settle into Victorian life for a couple of months. Um, but all I had to do was the footy. All I had was the footy club uh, and training, so which I loved. Um, it was the part of the part of the game you got to really enjoy and do is train because it's just part of your life with it. So, and that is the bit that I did enjoy. So, um, just working on the craft, being a sponge, and being the best I possibly could. And fingers crossed, hopefully things were going to turn out my way. You were very close with Stephen Tingay. Was he the first kind of mentor for you at the club when you arrived at Melbourne? Um, Stephen was uh, with a couple of other West Australians that we went over with. Stephen was um, where I stayed first for a week. He took us in um, uh, and and Paul Hopgood was living there also in Richmond. Uh, And I think Stephen and Alistair Clarkson were the two that I first met when I got into the footy club uh, on the day I arrived. So, um, I think it was a bit of a surprise that Stephen was asked to look after three West Australian kids coming in. It may have been a bit of a shock to him early, but oh, look, he took us in. Uh, we learnt the way, um, how to live, how to eat. It was only for a week, but um, we all saw what a top of player he was. He was a ripping individual also, but um, he was a great role model in terms of your preparation, how you had to become an elite player. Mm-hmm. 97, uh, you finished last that year, Melbourne, and that was your first season. 98, um, you finished fourth, you make a prelim. I've heard a lot of Melbourne players say that 98 was the best chance to win a flag for Melbourne, even more so than the 2000 grand final. Was Is that your feelings as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a dream run coming into the end of the 98 season. I think we finished fourth. Hmm. And if everyone recalls, I think that, 98 was the last year of that um, final eight system. Uh, Finished fourth, um, played Adelaide in the first final and we went win by 10 goals. So it was um, a a huge affair. And then you think from there, within today's current system, you're going straight to a a prelim in a a qualifying final. But we went um, to a semi-final against St Kilda. Um, and this is the last year with Viney, Lyon, Steins, Tingo, all our senior um, greats of the late 80s, mid-90s. So it was our – it had to be our time so we can all enjoy and share this together. And we beat St Kilda in the semi by 10 goals. So on today's system, again, you're straight through to a grand final. But we end up having to go play uh, our third final against – uh, the Kangaroos on a Friday night, and they were the specialist obviously in the late nineties. And um, I think Shannon Grant went berserk and kicked five, mm. and, and bundled us out um, way too early. Yeah, so that extra game that was what it what it was. You reckon if they were in, in today's system, Melbourne win the flag in ninety ninety eight? Oh, oh, bias wise, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I thought we were terrific that that mm. finals campaign, and we we're playing a really strong brand of footy and. Uh, we're really confident in what we could do, um, but for whatever reason, on that Friday night, um, it didn't it didn't go away, and and uh, the Kangas were too strong in the second half and and blew us out of the park. Mm. 
Yeah, it was a good team and, and you were definitely a huge part of it. You played every game from your debut season until 2001. It was uh, ridiculous, your run. It was it was brilliant. Do you have a favourite individual game though? I know you've highlighted the 2000 prelim as uh, against North as a really um, big one to be a part of, but as an individual, is there one that stands out above the rest? Oh, um, probably a number of them. I think some in different ways. Um, some from an individual point of view in terms of be able to win the footy and um, things go away. Uh, but the round 21 Geelong game um, in 2000, from an individual point of view, uh, you know, things went well. You get a lot of the footy and you kick a number of goals um, and it's sort of we're pushing hard towards a big finals campaign in 2000. Um, but a lot of early games that probably stand... Um, the stead a little bit more, more probably from a learning point of view and how to play a role and what you need to learn. So I think it was a, in my first couple of years, I was probably used more as a halfback run with um, tagging type player, which um, Neil Baum and Hutchie and Dan has used me a fair bit in those early couple of years and just learned to play on the best midfielders. We played Collingwood at the G. Um, I think mate ran 17 or 18 in 97 my first year and I had to play on Bucks and extraordinary athlete, extraordinary um, player. And I think I kept him to nine or something for the day. He had three at half time. So, you know, when you plan a role and um, probably learning on the, along the same way as well, upon these best players, that were probably the big defining moments for me as a career where I felt like I could mix it with the best midfielders in the game. And if I continue to just, um, you know, have a strong mentality, huge concentration on game, I could uh, play on these players and they teach you a lot too along the way and what their craft is like and where they need to be. And so playing on Herd, Cooter, Ratton, West, um, Knights, um, the list goes on. Uh, yeah. They were just extraordinary players and uh, you learn a hell of a lot. Who was the toughest out of them, would you say? Um, my heart, the hardest opponent was Michael Voss. Michael Voss. He, yeah, he was an extraordinary player. His, his competitiveness, he, his brute strength in the contest um, and in his time when he pushed forward, uh, his speed and power inside 50 um, was very, very good. Um, and yeah, he, he would have been the, the all-round player that uh, you just admire and go, wow, yeah, how good are you? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he was an extraordinary player, extraordinary mm-hmm. player. In 98, you, you kicked that incredible goal against Port Adelaide at the MCG. I uh, can still remember the commentary, still Woden. Unbelievable. Unlucky though, mate, because Farmer, he stole it off you that year. You should have won the goal of the year that year, don't you reckon? I, th- I did think so. Um, yeah. we, we had some banter along the way. Uh, and that, I think he did his in round 13. Mm. Um, I just thought because mine was more individual than, yeah. than his where he got involved with the teammates and, and shared. But, uh, again, another exceptional player. It was a great goal by the Wizard and dropped a torp at Waverley and from 60 and did a Tim May special and rolled in. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I remember we both rocked up to – I think the show at Channel 7 back then was called Live and Kicking and we did it in um, on Chapel Street, I think the building was. And you rocked up and um, Wizard was there as well. And I said, oh, something's a bit fishy here. <laughs> so um, he, ended up, uh, he ended up winning the goal of the year. So he took it off me eight weeks later. But uh, I think I've got the radio one 
by three AW. So oh, um, that's the one that counts. From. Yeah, that's the one yeah. that counts. That's all right. Hey, two thousand though, you got one up on him, mate. You, you're a Brownlow medalist. It was a good year for you, best and fairest. You play uh, for Australian International Rules Series. You play in a grand final as well, but that Brownlow medal. So at the start of the season, you're playing two hundred dollars to win it at the start of the year. Um, you said you didn't expect it that not, uh, on the night, despite having a great season. Was it John Longmire who said, "Just write a speech, just in case, anyway"? Yeah, he did. John was my manager at the time. Yeah, at IMG, and he said, "Yeah, just mate, just in case, just have something prepared anyway." So, um, as expected, did not think that I'd walk away with the medal that night. Um, probably knew I'd played some consistent and some decent footy early. Um, had a real lean patch midway through the year, so probably from about ten to sixteen or something, ten or seventeen, and then. Um, had some strong form in the last month to be able to bring it home. Um, the and, and and my advantage probably in the year was that in my lean patch, all the guys at the top of the leaderboard weren't polling. So if they were, they were getting the ones. And so I was staying in um, in close contact for the remainder of the night. So yeah, pushed out to a. I think they had fifteen by round eight, and then it just really dried up for extended period and got five or six late. And um, and it was yeah, it was fortunate enough to to win it. I'll, I've always I've said too in the past that it would have been great to be able to share it with Westy. Again, another great player I played on and and played alongside with at uh, for the Australian series. Um, we actually got rotated together through the midfield for the two test series, so I got to know Westy pretty well. And it would have been great to be able to stand up on the stage with him and share it. Uh, that's all right, mate. You deserved it. So, and, and you enjoyed it as well. I love that moment. It was great. Um, did that preparation winning it, did that interrupt you a little bit going into the grand final? I know you said, you know, you've, you go and sign the contract backstage to say you're going to do some media work um, over the, the next few days. And it's kind of an interrupted um, process going into the grand final. Looking back on it, did it, did it disrupt you a little bit? Oh, no, no it didn't disrupt me. You certainly would have not. Um, done it in your preparation um, with the end of the game. So um, it, I wouldn't say it, it uh, disrupted me, but I would, if I had my time again, I wouldn't do it. I'd certainly um, continue to follow what I would do Monday to Friday. Um, so there was a few events that we had to get to, and it's just time you spend away from um, preparing for the game, working with your teammates and doing what you would do normally. So by the Wednesday afternoon, my time was back with me and then I could, I was able to just hone in on, on the game. Um, but ideally, yeah, if you had your time again, you'd do something completely different. Where does the medal sit at the moment? Where do you keep it? Um, it's, I think it's upstairs somewhere in my room. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, I've never had it on show. It's always been okay. tucked away and... Um, yeah, it's not really something that goes out I, every now and then. If someone wants to see it, I'll, yeah. I'll show it to them and push it out there. But yeah, it's, I certainly reflect on great memories and, uh, of the evening and of the year and, um, what, uh, what eventuates now with, um, with the night itself, um, which is still a very special night. Mm. Um, unfortunate sometimes now we can't we can't attend but um oh look yeah. it's a it's a great night yeah speaking of the night is that still uh the best part of it that you 
well, other than the last couple of years, obviously, but you, you get to go and uh, sit with the past winners and, and chat to them. I know you've been on the table with Brad Hardy and Jared Healy, you say, is a, is a great thrill. Is that the best part? Yeah, for, for me, it's the – and for anyone could attest that uh, if they've been to the evening, it's it's a boring evening. It's it's a long night and it can uh, it can drag on. But for me, the the highlight is the 30 to 45 minutes catch up with all the past medalists in a room off to the side yeah. where you just get to say good day, share a few stories. How's the last 12 months been? I, I, I would love to be able to catch up with these guys more often. I don't think once – for 30 minutes a year is enough. It's an exceptional evening just to be able to spend time with what I call the greats of our game. And I'm just um, very privileged to be able to spend that little bit of time with them and, um, and talk footy and talk crap and um, have a beer with them. Yeah. Brilliant. Hey, that, uh, that year, obviously 2000, you're playing a grand final loss. You played in another in 2003. Do they still stick with you now? Do you still think about them? We'll be back after a quick break. Not the games themselves. I, I sit back and go, oh, I'm not a premiership player and that's what we play footy for and that's the thing that's missing um, in in my footy career. And, and unfortunately, yeah, yeah, I, I love going to grand final day now and um, not just for the spectacle but the moment that the game is and then when you're seeing um, teams collect their medals at the end of it, that's the, that's the moment that you would love to have. Uh, and where you get to share it with your mates and enjoy that occasion where you put all that hard work in for that one special moment. And I'm jealous that I wasn't able to to achieve that and had a couple of cracks at it and may have had a third one with the 98 one, but mm. it wasn't to be. Um, yeah, so reflecting on it, yeah, it would have been great to have, had to have one around your neck, but it certainly um, wasn't to be. From 97 to 2002, it was a bit of a yo-yoing form for the days in and out of finals, um, but you felt you said you felt a strong connection uh, to that group at the end of 2002 and you'd gone away on the footy trip together to Bali. Uh, you're loved by the fans, loved by the boys, and then all of a sudden you, you traded to Collingwood. Was it while you are in Mauritius with your wife, is that when you found out that, oh, I'm not going to be at the club anymore? Yeah, probably the, yeah, the worst month of my my footy life, it really was. Um, yeah, we were over. I heard whispers and rumours when we were in Bali, yeah, yeah. and starting things starting to filter through to us. And um, uh, it, I went, "Hang on, this is I haven't heard this before. What's going on here?" And then um, I think I got back to Melbourne for a day before I left to go overseas with my um, uh, then fiance. So uh, yeah. It, <laughs> Uh, I had tw- 24 hours to catch up with the coach and work through what's going on. So he ventured into my land room and um, we spoke about a couple of things and 
at the end, at the end of the hour of conversation, it was a shake hands. We'll see you in a couple of weeks in pre-season. So I went, beauty, I look forward to getting back and getting stuck back into training again. Um, and we'd just been, I think we knocked out by Adelaide in the semi-final in 2002. So again, we felt we, we were close and we're, we're not far away. So we thought 03 would have been a really, really strong year for us. Um, but yeah, um, I never stepped foot back in the Melbourne Footy Club ever again after that. So um, there was two more all overseas in South Africa and Mauritius and trying to enjoy a holiday and I'm spending my whole time on the phone and speaking with footy clubs and going through the trade period. So yeah, not ideal, not, not ideal at all. And uh, I, I never wanted to do it, do that again. And I, look, it, it happened. Um, I went to the pies. I was welcomed um, um, by everyone involved in the club, exceptional football club. It was such a, a great time. I got to play in another grand final um, which I wouldn't have done if I was at the D's. Uh, and I always felt like I wanted, I felt, I actually mentioned that I wanted to be a one-club player. Mm. I wanted to play 250-plus and um, hopefully win a flag. Didn't happen. I got traded and went to the Pies and um, got to play alongside some unbelievable players where I learned so much more about the game and what's required. Um, you know, standards were higher. Training was more intense. Um, you know, I got to go one-on-one with Buckley a lot, Scott Burns, Paul Lucuria, and t- just learning more. Um, got to play under Mick Malthouse was, again, another wonderful coach who taught me a lot about the game. Um, and then I got to play with a powerhouse footy club that was with big member base and I hardly travelled. So um, it was, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, the, 05, my final year wasn't a fun year, but look, I, I look back on the, the two clubs and just say that, well, I'm just fortunate enough to play with two fantastic footy clubs with two big traditions and histories and um, and and have mates for life. Yeah. yeah well, the year before uh, 2005, you, you, you came second in the best and fairest. You had a great season and you obviously still had heaps to offer. Unfortunately, your career comes to an end at 2005 and 29 years of age. It still baffles me how a club doesn't pick you up, but you know, how does that happen? Is that because back then it was kind of uh, the thing, let's go for youth. Do you think if it was these days, you would have been given that, um, that opportunity because we see a lot more experienced players come back in the system now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Possibly. Um, uh, I think I spoke to seven clubs at the end of 2005. I trained with the Kangaroos for six weeks um, leading up to Christmas, hoping to get an opportunity. Um, I remember speaking to Alistair Clarkson yeah. at Hawthorne and because I played with Clarko and he was our runner in 98. I played with him in 97. Um, and he said, he said to me that uh, you're in my best 18. But I, I've promised our members that we're going to go youth. So, and I accepted that. That was mm-hmm. fine. It, so my birth certificate was costing me at the end of the day. And um, I think back now, or now, I understand why Mick um, and the uh, and the administration side at Collingwood then um, made the decision to delist me. Um, when you when you're building a list and what does your list profile look like and when's your next premiership and let's get towards that. I understand. So I think um, I was let go. Um, I was just yeah, where I was. I probably, you know, I wasn't a 25, 24 year old who could, it was coming through. Then that next 
bracket um, and I wasn't a club great. I'd only been there three years. So um, it, it, I was the one that was going to be put on the chopping block. And it's, But then building a list, you understand like the next draft, Collingwood have pick two and pick five and get Thomas and Pendlebury. Um, and, you know, you're part of that decision to be let go so we can get these early draft picks um, and they win a flag in five years' time after that. So um, being a coach and on the other side of the fence, you completely understand um, decisions made. But at the time, the game's so emotional as a player that you get so heavily involved and you, you think you can go forever. So, I'd, yeah, I was I was filthy that I was let go um, and probably acted in a way that I shouldn't have And because you just feel like you still can compete and um, be around AFL footy. And, um, yeah, I just felt it was just too early for me and a bit premature and I should be still on the list. Mm. You ended up going back into AFL but in a coaching capacity, uh, an assistant or midfield coach at Brisbane. Um, do you want to get back in the AFL in a coaching role in the future? Um, I, yeah, I had six years at the Lions and had a wonderful time because I came home for after Collingwood and played my final two years with East Fremantle, which I thoroughly enjoyed going back to a footy club yeah, that started it all. Um, and so I got to captain the club and um, it wasn't great times. We didn't have any success, but uh, it was just a, a pivotal moment to be able to give back. And again, you'd love to be able to play forever, but two years was enough for me, probably more mentally, a little bit physically. I started to wane a little bit in terms of you just don't get the full-time support as you do as an AFL player with a full-time job and, family and and whatnot so um i made the decision to pull pull the boots and hang them up and then decided i wanted to get into coaching um got the east man on job straight away which was a bit surprising but certainly learned a lot in three years as a senior coach um and then ventured over to to brisbane under michael voss um and who, who was going through a transitional period as well the brisbane lions at the time and where their list was at and um, what where their club was going. But, yeah, uh, three years under Vossi, then three years under Leper, and felt six years was enough and I needed to um, needed a change, need some, a new environment, learn something completely different. Um, soft cap came in, made it really hard to move clubs and I couldn't get anywhere. So just decided to bring the family home um, and just step out of AFL footy for a little bit. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, because it, it's consuming as a coach. It's consuming in the system. Um, demands a lot of time. I loved it. It was a great time, again, to be able to share knowledge and spread it with the young players. And I got to work with, you know, Lewenberger, Rich, Redden, Rockliffe, Hanley um, for an extended period. Redden uh, from, from their 20 games to their 110 games. So, yeah, just pivotal moments where you just get to pass on and hopefully um, give them something to better develop their careers. You've said a lot that um, one of the best pieces of advice you've been given is to try and learn from people, ask questions, be like a sponge, that sort of thing. Was there a coach, I can't recall if it was Mick Malthouse or someone else that you went to for advice and they said the best thing you can do is go and coach your own club first because then you learn all aspects of coaching and how you know players work or the system works first. Is that your advice to other coaches before they get in the AFL system officially to go and coach their own club? Oh, uh, yeah. So that was when I was going for... Um, the 
East Fremantle role after yeah. I finished playing. So this probably end of 07. I came over to Victoria and just sat down with um, Neil Danaher, Mick Malthouse, Brian Royal. I can't remember if I caught up with Chris Fagan or not. Um, but, yeah, just tapping into some experience about which pathway to take. Do I become an assistant first and learn a craft and learn a role and a line and do there, which with mids, backs or whatever it may be, um, or just go step down to a lower level and coach your own club and learn what it like to work with um, staff, stakeholders, players, how to build relationships, what it looks like to run the show. Um, and, yeah, it was Mick. Mick was the one that said, nah, without a question, go and coach your own club, no matter what level, but be at the forefront, be the face, um, make the decisions, and you'll learn a lot. You'll learn, you'll make the wrong ones, what you do with them, you'll make some good ones, how you develop your players, how you work with your staff, how do you, how do you manage your time um, for a year. So that's when I just put my hat in the ring to go and coach East Fremantle after they let the previous coach go and I got the role. And, geez, he's certainly right. You certainly learn um, a lot in your first year what not to do, what to do, um, how to empower your players, how they help you, um, and keep mentors around you inside and outside footy. Um, yeah, and it sort of sort of ingrained what I needed to be able to do and how I take my coaching forward, not just the game, but just um, was more around the off-field things that um, not that not such the tactical side of things in the coach's box. Um, I always felt that game day was the game day is the easy part of coaching. It's the preparation and what's required Monday to Friday to get yourself ready for Saturday to hand over to your players. So um, yeah, so that's the advice I took and oh, for any coach going forward, I reckon it's invaluable um, be able to lead your team and make decisions and um, manage your time. I think was invaluable. Love that. Uh, Shane, before I ask you about your current thoughts on the game, can I just throw a, few, a couple of names at you and you tell me the first thing that comes to your head? Yep. All right. Uh, Jeff Farmer. A wizard. Wizard. Gary Lyon. A mentor. Mentor. Alistair Clarkson. Uh, phenomenal. Nathan Buckley. Superstar. David Neitz. Leadership. Adam Uze. Class. Last one, Jim Steins. Oh, one of the great men of all time. Um, inspiring. Inspiring. Brilliant, mate. Um, speaking about inspiring, the Ds at the moment look look pretty good. Now, I, I wanted to ask first, you're, you've said you're a fan of the game. You're not a supporter of either uh, Demons or Collingwood. Do you support them both or just the whole game in general? Probably do. A bit of both. A bit of both, um, yeah. Uh, you have a little soft spot for them. You, you pulled on the jumper for nine years with both clubs. Yeah. There's a soft spot for both of them. As I said earlier, I, I felt very fortunate to play with two great clubs, so yeah. why not support both of them? Yeah, are they your uh, tip for 20... the – oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, are they your tip for the flag this year, the Demons? There's still a lot of footy we played out yet. Um, it's okay to be sitting on top, but the footy season, as we know, is a marathon. And to be able to um, play week in, week out, it's hard to sustain. Mm. It really is. Now you're the hunted. Now everyone's coming after you. And they've stood 
the test of time. They've done Met Challenges, Doggies, Geelong, Richmond, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, they've been been terrific. Um, I think Adam Uze has done wonders for the footy club, coming back a great Melbourne person and um, a very good footy brain. So um, I think what he's done with the midfield is exceptional. Um, you can certainly see a different mentality and method with the midfield group now um, to what's been there in the past. So not discrediting anyone who's coached Melbourne Footy Club in the previous, but I think Adam's added another layer to the footy club this year and um, it certainly shows. Yeah, well, I was going to ask that because there's been a few changes this year for Melbourne. So you've obviously Adam Uze in the midfield and Choco Williams as well, who's basically the kicking coach and the skills have, have improved uh, incredibly. But also there's Chaplin in the background, background and Simon Goodwin is developing his skills as a coach. Is there one thing that stands above above all else? Is it the Adam Uze impact for you? Uh, yeah, with, without being in the inner sanctum um, yeah. and only probably um, – is the ground really is just the impact he's had with the midfield and um, they're probably better in transition. Um, I think they've, it looks like they value defence a little bit more and the players are speaking really heavily about their roles and um, what's required in team defence. Um, but again, once you get all the players on board and invested, the job becomes so much easier. Um, but again, it certainly helps when you're complementing your defence with great offence. Um, and oh, they've got weapons all over the field and it looks like they just enjoy playing with each other, got a passion to play the game again and it does certainly help when you're winning, no question about that. Um, but it's probably the mode and method that they are winning in and um, they look up and about at the moment and it's exciting times. It's not just for them, it's, it's for the club, mm-hmm. it's for their supporter base who have um, been at the lower end for a very long time. So. Um, it's great to see him enjoying some success. Yeah. So if you had to put your money on one club to win it this year, who is it? Oh, throw a blanket on a few of them at the moment. Yeah. As we know, September is such a different outcome, isn't it? Um, I I still think, I I probably thought leading into the Melbourne game, I thought the doggies were the ones at the moment and you can have an off night. So Mm -hmm. they won't be too disappointed, although they didn't win it. Um, so much footage you play. They still are a genuine threat. I think Port will be there again, and I'm just still not discounting Richmond um, at this stage. But you look up north and what's happening up there at the moment, um, mm. a seven on the trot and play an exceptional brand of footy. And if they get two finals in Brisbane, um, it's it makes it very difficult and they can certainly throw it. Again, for Brisbane, it's going back to Melbourne and yeah. competing on the G um, in a pressured advised environment, that's the challenge for them as well. And the important one, uh, the Brownlow, who is it this year? Um, oh, again, throw your hat. Bont. <laughs> the Bont, yeah. Bont, yeah. But Clayton Oliver is having a very, very good year. Um, Ollie Wines. Um, so, yeah, uh, the Bont for me at the moment. Um, I reckon at the moment it's a racing two with Bont and Oliver. They're probably just thrashing out the top of the leaderboard halfway through the year. Mm-hmm. Brent, all right. The fun stuff just to end off, mate. There's 10 quick questions. You say the first thing that comes to your head, all right? Uh, your your favourite food? Um, chicken. Chicken. Favourite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Your favourite teammate? Teammate of all time? 
my teammate of all time. Geez, that's hard to say. <laughs> my, my best mate was Russell Robertson. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, you were also on the Robbo show with him. I remember he did it on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the best thing about football is having the uh, the mateships and the friendships yeah. for life, and um, they're, they're an exceptional group. Your favourite player in the AFL at the moment. Jeez, you put me on the spot with that one. <laughs> what comes to mind now? Who do you enjoy watching? Um, oh, you, you love what, what Petrarca does. Yeah. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Um, here in Western Australia. <laughs> good one. So <laughs> Melbourne's not, a, not an option anymore. Oh, yeah. is how good is, uh, is Melbourne? I, I think every time I go over there now, mm. um, the congestion, it just gets worse every year <laughs> and it's built up every year and I don't miss the cold, but I certainly miss the city. It's a wonderful city to live in. Yeah. Uh, what makes you angry? Um, people that can't merge. <laughs> That's not how it's in Victoria, but oh, here in Western Australia, merging is ridiculous. Yeah, that's a good yeah traffic gets me as well. All right, so what yeah. calms you down then? What do you do to relax? Uh, spending time with my yeah, spending time with my family. <laughs> yeah, Great. it's uh, a smile on the face every day. Yeah, your favourite coach of all time? Um, Neil Danaher. Nice. Good balance, um, yeah, yeah. Harsh but fair. Yeah. Um, attacking brand flair, um, but stay within the framework. Yeah. Uh, would you rather dye your hair peroxide blonde again or shave it all off? Which one? Oh, uh, funny you say that. My kids are trying to get me to dye it again. Yeah, do it I, again. I said no way. I'm only <laughs> forty-five. Um, and I said the only reason I would do that would be for charity mm-hmm. and if you organise it. So, yeah. um, Let's hope they do it. Let's hope they do it. Love it. All right, your la- last one. What is your favourite quote of all time? Um, oh, in a footy sense, uh, train the way you want to play. Mm. Brilliant. I'm sure you use that a lot and I love it. Very good, Shane. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate, to speak to you today. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. As I said, a very special moment for me because you are an idol of mine. So thank you so much, mate. Uh, It's my absolute pleasure. Anytime. Um, Look forward to doing it again someday. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Cheers, Uh, bud.